Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, two weeks ago, we, we started a new series that we're calling Hearing God Speak, and that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about developing our ability to know the voice of God, to identify the voice of God when he is speaking to us. And we talked about how you can read through God's word and you can't help but come away with the idea that people have the ability to have God speak to them and that God desires to speak to them. God wants to be involved in people's lives. And another thing that we read in the word of God, not only can people hear and God wants to speak to them, but that we have a responsibility in order to identify God's voice. The Bible tells us to incline our ears to hear, that there is a positioning. There's things we can do to make ourselves more sensitive to the voice of God or things that we can do to make it more difficult for God to get through to us. So we started talking about certain guidelines or steps to incline our ear, to position ourselves to know the voice of God. If you were here last week, the first one we talked about was to continuously fill yourself with the word of God. You've got to to prioritize God's word. Fill yourself with the word of God for a few different reasons. One is it's the primary way that God's going to speak to you. The number one way that God's going to speak to you is through his written word. And so we need to to prioritize it. Then we talked about a lot of other reasons why God's word is so important. That it sets a foundation for everything else that we're going to hear from God. It sets a foundation for being able to identify it. Anytime you have a prompting, a leading, somebody else gives you a word from the Lord, it's always going to come in alignment with God's word. We said God's word gives us a standard. I had a level last week. We can hold God's word up against any other prompting or leading or word, and it's got to be be on level. It's got to line up with God's word or we can dismiss it. So for a lot of different reasons, we've got to prioritize the word of God. John chapter eight, verse 31, it says, then Jesus said to those who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus said, you can know the truth. You can have a knowing of what God is saying. You can identify the voice of God. You can discern that's not of God. That is God leading me. Nope, that's just my emotions. That person telling me that is just crazy. You can can have a knowing of the truth. How do we arrive at being able to know the truth like that? He says, if you abide in my word. We've got to live in the word of God and fill ourselves with God's word. Anyone remember the, the movie Karate Kid? You see that movie? Not, not the remake, the original, the OG back in 1984 with Mr. Miyagi. You remember that Karate Kid? If you haven't seen it, it's a movie about a boy who's going to learn karate, right? A, a karate, karate kid. So he meets this guy named Mr. Miyagi who's going to teach him how to to be a karate guy, and he starts spending time with Mr. Miyagi, but when he, he goes and he thinks he's going to be learning these lessons about karate, instead of what he expected, instead he's, he has to paint Mr. Miyagi's fence. Remember that? And then, then Mr. Miyagi has him waxing his cars. And finally, Daniel, is his kid's name, he gets fed up and he tells Mr. Miyagi, listen, I wanted to, I wanted to do karate. I wanted to you know, be doing fancy kicks and breaking wood with karate chops and all those kinds of things. Instead, you got me just doing all these kinds of chores and he's frustrated. And Mr. Miyagi explains to him, 
No, what you've been learning is the basics. You're learning the foundations that what you've been doing is actually how you're going to get to where you want to go. Remember, he does the whole wax on, wax off, and realizes like, it's like these are like basic, basic moves. Well, something similar can happen when we start learning to hear God speak, that we've got an idea of what that looks like. We've got some concept. If I'm going to hear God speak, it's going to look this way. And then we start talking about things that are basic and simple. And you just want to get to the stuff, not knowing that this is how we get there. We're developing it. Sometimes when people want to develop themselves spiritually, they develop a disdain for what is basic, what is simple. Remember the story of Elijah when Naaman, the man who had Leprosy came to him to be, to be healed, and Elijah didn't even come out to see him. He sent his servant, said, just go, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman was frustrated. He said, I, I thought he'd come out and say something, wave his hands over me. He, he thought it would be something spiritual and kind of magical feeling, and he's just storming off. And his servant said, if he'd asked you to do something difficult, if he'd given you some kind of crazy challenge where you had to, you know, climb to the top of a mountain and find a special, you know, something mystical sounding, you would have done that. But you're, you're, you're dismissing this because it's so simple. Just go dip in the, the river seven times. And fortunately for Naaman, he ends up saying, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. But we can have that same kind of attitude. It sounds so simple and so easy and just so basic and practical that we can overlook it. When we talk about these basic things, don't, don't allow that because of its basicness, to be something that causes you to dismiss it and set it aside and wait for the stuff. This is how we get to where we want to go, by just the, the basic principles of, of the word, word of God. We want to position ourselves, incline our ears to hear, and this is how we do it. And you need to expect that God wants to speak to you. That you position yourself for what you expect. If you're not expecting God wants to speak to you, you'll, you'll never take these steps to actually, actually get yourself in position. So, so if I told my wife, hey, hold this microphone for a second, and, and I went to throw it to her, if she really thought that I was going to throw it to her, she would she, get up on the edge of her seat probably, get her, get her hands ready, but because she apparently had no expectation that I was going to throw it to her, she just sat there with her arms, with her arms crossed. She didn't think I was really going to throw this mic. So there was no expectation. There was no positioning. But where there is expectation, you start, you start to get ready for it. We want, we want to begin to incline our ears with an expectation. God wants to speak to you. He, want, he has things. He wants to lead you and guide you and direct you. Do you know that you were created you were created to receive divine guidance, that we, we've got that longing on the inside of us. People want to be led by the Lord because you, you were set up that way. We talk about being able to hear God speak for a lot of us. Man, that, that is such a craving of our heart. I want to know the voice of God so much so that people that, that don't know the Lord, you can see how desperate people are for divine guidance. All kinds of crazy things, Ouija boards and tarot cards and psychic hotlines and astrology and horoscopes and all, all kinds of nonsense, which is all inappropriate for Christians, by the way. But people people have that longing. I want divine guidance. It's because you were you were wired that way. God wants to be involved in guiding and directing your, your steps. We need it in our lives. And when you don't have it, when you don't have it, it's frustrating. It can be stressful. It can cause, it can cause anxiety. And then as you're, you're making your way through life, making choices, even if you happen to make a right choice. You can't really even enjoy it because you aren't sure if it was the right choice or, or not. You're just kind of going through this thing blind. It's like life, life is almost like a multiple choice test. 
which if you were ready for the test and you knew the answers, you wouldn't have to worry about it. You can just enjoy taking the test. But if you don't know, it's stressful. And if, even if you happen to guess the right answer, you can't feel good about it because you, you don't know. It's all, just, it's all just guesswork. It doesn't have to be that way for a Christian. It's unnecessary for people like you and me that know God and have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. What, what a wonderful thing to know God's direction. We sang, we sang it a couple moments ago. Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Just to know, this is what God would have me do. God doesn't want me to do that. Just to know, to know that I'm in the will of God. What a sweet, sweet knowing. What a, what a peace. God wants to guide us and direct us. As you read through God's word, you can see him guiding and directing people. When people learn how to tap in, to identify the voice of God, you can see time and time again how faithful, how good God is, that he guides people in all kinds of situations, that he makes sure people at the right place at the right time to make sure that they, they get the right opportunity. There's stories about people being at the right place at the right time to make sure someone marries the right person or that they get the right provision for what they need. All kinds of incredible stories for God's in God's word about things he did that lead and guide people. And, and we know that God is no respecter of persons. So what he did for those people, he wants to do in your life and in my life to make sure that you marry the right person, to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time, to encounter the right person and, and, and ha have the right opportunity or whatever it is that's needed. God doesn't want to just watch you struggle and stumble through life. He wants to lead us and guide us and direct us. But you and I, we've got to incline our ears, incline our ears to hear. He's a God who wants to direct our paths. He's a God who speaks. It's part of his nature. It's, it's how this whole thing started. Genesis chapter one, God started speaking. God uses that as one of the characteristics that distinguish him from other gods, false gods, idols that have, no ma have mouths but are unable to speak. That's not him. He's able to speak to his children and we can hear him speak and know his voice. We talked last week about how God identifies himself as a shepherd. A key part of a shepherd's role is leading and guiding, making sure his sheep are at the right place at the right time. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord and he delights in his way and God blesses his path. He's a God who directs the path of his children. Proverbs chapter three says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and what? And he will direct your paths. We have it over and over and over again that God wants to guide us and direct us. The, the supernatural guidance that we crave, that we are so hungry for, it's because God made us to have that kind of relationship with himself. But again, you and I have a responsibility to incline our ears, to position ourselves, to live in a way, to discipline ourselves, to know the voice of God. Imagine this scenario. Uh, imagine you're at the end of your life. You're, you're 95 years old or you're 105 years old or however old you, you plan on getting. And it's early morning and you, you make yourself a cup of coffee and you go out on your front porch. And you sit in your, your rocking chair that you bought at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> you sit there and the, the sun's, sun's coming up and the birds are chirping. It's just a beautiful morning. You're just taking a moment to reflect back 
over your life. You're at a ripe old age and you're just reflecting back. Now, imagine two different, two different feelings that come as you reflect back. One, you think back and your, your heart's just full of regret and remorse. You can look back and see how many places you blew it, how many opportunities. I know I made the wrong decision there. I know that was wrong. I know the way that turned out, man, I, you're so full of regret because you know you lived your life just doing what was easiest in the moment, whatever was best for you. You were selfish. You were proud. You just did whatever would lead to your own pleasure. And so it's just, you're looking back and you regret the way that you lived. Or another scenario, you think back over your life and you're just thankful. You're grateful. You could see God's hand on different decisions. You know he was leading you and guiding you. And you're so glad that you chose to discipline yourself and move things out of your life that needed to move out and, and incorporated things that needed to be incorporated, that you purified your life. You made decisions to learn how to hear the voice of God. And you can see how he's been faithful to lead you and guide you and direct you. Now, when you think about those scenarios, Obviously, you want the second one. That's not just a flip of a coin. We determine that now. We determine that today. We determine whether we we just talk about this stuff and it's nice to hear about or whether we're actually doers, doers of the word. We, We are determining that day when we get in our rocking chair on the front porch and we think back, it's just a smile on our face. I believe that's where we're gonna end up, amen? Because it's possible to miss it. People miss it all the time. You know people that miss it. They end up in that first scenario where their life is just one terrible happening after another and they end up just full of regret. The Bible has stories of people. It's possible to miss it, but it's also possible to not miss it, to get it right. And that's what you and I are gonna do, amen? So I I want you to anticipate, you're gonna hear God's voice more clearly than ever before. You're gonna walk led by the Holy Spirit. You're gonna know his voice. You're gonna make the right decision. You're gonna be in the right place at the right time. We're not gonna miss it, amen? We're gonna incline our ears to know the voice of God. God's gonna have a group of people that know his voice, that know his voice. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that you're the kind of God that you are, that you haven't just left us on our own, that you are a good shepherd. You lead us and guide us. Thank you, Jesus, that we can know your voice. We can know your voice. Lord, I pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts that are tender and sensitive. Show us things even as we talk today. Lord, reveal it to each of our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and teach us things that we need to change, adjustments that need to be made. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For about the first 10 years or so, uh, after Beth and I moving to West Virginia, we made a lot of trips uh, going east on 68. You know, if you go to, to Morgantown, you can take 68 east. We made that, that trip across there. You get into Maryland, you can jump on 70. We made that trip so many times. It seemed like almost all of the youth trips we did, we would have to take that route to get to the camp or the convention we were going to. Beth's family was still in Delaware at that time, and so when we'd go visit them, that's the route we would take. And if you've ever made that drive, it's, it's a beautiful drive. I, I love making that drive. The mountains, the scenery, it's just kind of peaceful. I, I like road trips anyway, and so I, I just really enjoyed that one. But there was a couple of times we made that drive where it, it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't peaceful. One time, we were bringing the youth group home from a winter retreat. If you've ever 
gone through Frostburg and across that stretch of the mountains in the winter, it can, it can be nasty. And there was a, a bad winter storm that hit when we were coming through. And at the time, the church had a 30-passenger bus, and I was driving it, and it was filled with teenagers that are laughing and yelling and carrying on and, and having a, a great time, unaware that their life is hanging in the balance uh, of... <laughs> me being able to keep this thing on the road. Cause it, I mean, it was a whiteout. Everything, everything was white. The snow was blowing. I couldn't tell if we were on the road, off the road. My knuckles were as white as the snow. They're carrying on. I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit. Just Lord, uh, please let this, I hope we're still on the road. I didn't know what to do. No, should, should I stop? Should I just pull over to the side of the road? I don't even know where the side of the road is. If I stop right here, are we going to get, you know, someone plow into the rear end of us? Do I get off of an exit? I, I can't even see the, I could, I couldn't see anything. And so it made it stressful. Instead of peaceful and enjoyable like it usually was, now it was just, I was anxious. A second time, it was similar. We, we, this time we had rented a couple of 15-passenger vans, and one of the vans that we rented, uh, the windshield wipers didn't work. And it, it was wintertime again, but it wasn't snowing. But you know how it is in the winter when there's kind of spray coming off the road and there's so much salt that gets on your windshield. And so it, we'd drive a few miles and all that salt, we couldn't wipe it off and you'd, you'd lose visibility again. And so we'd just go from exit to exit, just hit the next gas station, clean the window, try to make it to the next gas station. And it, it, again, it was stressful because you couldn't see where you were going. You didn't know, you know, it's easy to make a mistake and, and a mistake like that could be tragic when you're, you're driving, you're trying to, to navigate. When visibility is low, danger is high. And it's the same when you navigate, not just when you're driving a vehicle, but as you navigate through life. When you're making decisions, that a wrong decision could cost you dearly, or a right decision could line you up for blessing or being a blessing to someone else. And, and so I want to talk about a couple of very simple principles from God's Word that will help increase clarity in our lives. So that as we're navigating through life, when we have opportunities, when we have decisions, what should be peaceful and enjoyable and sweet to us, like my typical trip across uh, 68, doesn't become something treacherous and stressful and fill us with anxiety. It has to do with your level of visibility, just being able to see clearly or not see clearly. The first principle, again, very simple, it's just that clarity is a natural byproduct of purity. That if I want to increase clarity, I just need to increase purity. That if I want to clarify, I need, I need to purify. Yet yesterday morning, I took our two youngest daughters out to breakfast. Beth was away on a trip with our two older girls. So we got up and we went to breakfast. And last night as I was talking to Beth, I told her, you know what? I don't think I'm going to go back to that restaurant again. It just felt so dingy and dirty. It just it felt kind of grimy. And there's a few different reasons that I came to that conclusion. One is when the waiter came and, and gave us refill in our, our water glasses, he then set the pitcher of water and just kind of left it with us. And I looked at that pitcher of water and there, there was a brown tint to, to the water. And you know, I don't, I don't want to be snooty or just too picky. I know people are all different, but when I'm drinking water, my preference is that it's clear. And, and just by looking at that, well, I know everyone's different when it comes to this, but just by looking at that brown, that brown pitcher of water, 
I don't feel like that water is pure. Why did I come to that conclusion? Because that water didn't have any clarity. Because it lacked clarity, I came to the conclusion it was lacking purity. Just very, very simple. I'll try to illustrate another way. I've got some plexiglass with me. I've been seeing a lot of plexiglass these last couple of years. When Dozer saw this this morning, he asked if I'd brought in the, the sneeze guard from the Kroger pharmacy. So, so this, one, this one lacks lacks some clarity. You wouldn't want this to be your, your windshield when you were driving. You could maybe peer through a little bit, but visibility is, is limited. Why is the visibility limited? Why isn't it very clear? Because it's not very pure. It's all, it's all gunky. It's dirty. It's not, very, it's not very clean. Now, I could make it even harder to see through. If we added more dirt and more grime, you could make it so you, you couldn't see through it at all. And I've got a second one here. These are the exact same, exact same pieces of plexiglass glass. It's not that there's a different quality in them. It's just that, that one is clean and the other is dirty. And the one that is clean has great clarity because purity brings clarity. Now that one could become pure and clear by, by becoming less dirty. This one could lose its clarity by losing its purity because the two are, are directly linked together. Purity and clarity are directly linked. I know that that's very, very simple, but you would be shocked by how many people miss this simple principle in their lives. People that have decisions to make that seem so obvious to, to most of us. People that have things, it's very clear which is the right decision, which is the wrong decision, which is the wise choice, which is the foolish choice, which is good and which is bad. And they're scratching their head, kind of straddling. They don't know what to do. It's because they've allowed so much sin to develop in their life. They've lost their purity. And in doing so, they've lost their, their clarity. Maybe you've known people that have had decisions that, I mean, I'm not sure if I should leave my wife. I'm really thinking about leaving my husband. I'm thinking about having an affair. It, it's off. This isn't a tough decision. You should not do that. It's very clear, but they, they don't know. They, they've lost the ability to see how did they get there by making small compromises one at a time. They slowly lost clarity in their life. How did they lose the clarity? By, by giving up their purity because purity produces clarity in our lives. It's one of the reasons why sin is nothing to mess around with. When people take sin as something trivial, they don't understand a small compromise. This doesn't, this doesn't seem like a big deal. I'm just going to make this small little, little choice. Well, when you give up your purity, that, that's all they think they're sacrificing. But you don't know where that's going to lead you. Because when you take that step, you also lose the ability to see things clearly. You don't know what dumb decision you're going to make next after making that one, because after you make that first one, you're not going to be seeing right after that. That's why one compromise leads to another, and you get people. You've heard people say, I never thought I'd do that. I can't believe I got where I am. How did I get to this? I'm so stupid. Why? I never thought in a million years I'd ever make that decision. Well, you, you, you lost the ability to see things. Because way back here with that small thing that you thought you could handle, you, you were losing the ability to see. This isn't just a, an illustration with a piece of plexiglass. This comes from the Word of God. I'll read you a couple of examples. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 
He's telling us, pursue, you've got to go after holiness. Pursue peace with people. Yep, that's a good thing. And then he says, pursue holiness. Why, why holiness? Because without that, you're not going to be able to see. Your, your vision is tied with holiness. Holiness and vision are directly linked together. That when I compromise one, I lose the other. I'll give you another example. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. What is the blessing that comes from purity? for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sin, sin has a devastating effect on our ability to perceive. Purity produces clarity in our lives. Sin, sin desensitizes us to what God would speak to us or show us something he'd want to reveal to us. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three, starting in verse 12. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. The New King James says that hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's talking about the effect of sin on somebody's heart, that it has a hardening, it has a hardening effect. It calluses. And in context, he's talking about our ability to hear the voice of God. Again, verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, Today, if you want to hear his voice, what's his instruction? Then don't harden your heart. If you want to hear his voice, you want to hear God speak, what do I need to do? Make sure that you don't harden your heart like Israel did. Well, what has he just told us that hardens our heart? You are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin causes a hardening effect on our heart. If, if you've played much basketball, then you know the toll that it can take on your feet. The worst blisters I've ever had in my life have come from playing basketball. Just by, by nature of the, the pivoting, you're up on the balls of your feet. If you've played a lot of basketball, I mean, it, it can, I've had enormous blisters. It's like I'm walking around on gel inserts, those blisters. Look like I'm an inch taller. Have you grown? Nope. I've got enormous blisters that I'm standing on top of. If you're not used to playing basketball and you somehow get into a game of basketball, and I mean, you're not just like playing pig or something. You're like playing basketball. I mean, your feet start getting so tender and so sensitive. I've had times where I feel like I can feel every thread, every fiber in my socks, right? Just your feet are just so tender to it. But if you, if you play a lot, if you keep playing day after day, week after week, what happens is your feet start toughening up. There was a period of time, a couple of years when I was in high school, where I played a lot of basketball, went from having blisters a lot, no more blisters, I had calluses. Your feet are, are tough, 
The skin gets thick. You have those calluses. It doesn't bother you anymore. You go from being able to, to feel every little thread in your socks to not being able to, to, feel, to feel anything. Well, that's, that's the illustration he's, he's using. That if I want to know the leading of God, I want to hear that still small voice. I've got to keep my heart tender and soft. And if I allow sin, if I make compromises, it has a callousing effect. So when the Lord is looking to lead me and guide me, I can be oblivious to it because my heart is so, so calloused. Now, you'll, you'll be happy to know my, my feet are no longer hard and calloused. They're, they're soft and tender again, like almost doughy in nature. You're probably wondering how I achieved that quality in my feet. It wasn't spa treatments. That's not how I lost the, the calluses. You know what I did? I just I stopped playing basketball. I just stopped doing. If you, I stopped doing what I did to create the calluses in the first place. So when you create calluses in your life, you, you harden your heart through sin. You know the way that you get rid of those calluses. Stop doing what you did to create those calluses in the first place. And you'll, you'll start to, to lose those calluses over time. We, we don't have time to look at it. But if you read through the story of the prodigal son, the, the prodigal son, he was engaged in all kinds of gross sin. He's, he's at drunken parties. He's, he's spending his father's money. He's sleeping with prostitutes. When, when in the story did he come to his senses? When did he have the realization, I don't belong here. I belong back with my father. That, that's where I need to go. There was a point in the story where he had that understanding. His heart became sensitive again to, to be able to know, I, I need to make a change. I need to go back home and be in my father's arms. It wasn't when he was at the bar drinking. It wasn't why he was, it was sleeping with a prostitute. Through no choice of his own, because he ran out of money and there was a famine in the land, he ended up being separated from those sins. And he stopped doing what he had been doing. His heart grew softer and softer to where he had that realization. If your heart is hard and unfeeling, if I want to gain clarity in my life, I also need to gain purity. If you want to clarify the voice of God, if you want to clarify his direction and guidance in your life, then you need to examine your life and make sure that you're walking in purity because purity brings clarity. And if you choose to compromise one, you lose the other. Let me read one more passage dealing with this and then we'll move on to a second point. Sin, sin desensitizes your spirit, man. Well, the Lord will try to deal with your heart. You're not even aware, you, you can't feel it. So people will sin, maybe you've experienced this. Make a compromise one time, and it, it, man, it bothers them. They feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They do it again, and it bothers them a little bit less. They do it again, it they get to a point where they, they can do stuff and they don't even think twice about it. Make kinds of compromises, sin, it's, it's a callousing effect on their heart. John chapter 15, verse 14. Jesus says this, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not, do, does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus says, talking to his disciples, he says, because you're my friends, because you've reached this level of intimacy and closeness, because you are my friends, I'm revealing everything to you. There's nothing hidden. I'm telling you everything the Father is doing. He tells me I'm passing it on to you guys. Why? Because you're my friends. Now, what did he say right before that? How did they acquire that level of relationship with him? 
Because you're my friends, I tell you everything the Father is doing. And you are my friends because you do. You obey my commandments. Holiness and righteousness moves us into a level of intimacy with the Lord where he begins to reveal things freely to us. So if, as we're talking about this, you realize, man, I've got some things in my life that, that aren't right. Let, let me give you a few easy steps from James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So cleansing your hands is dealing with outward actions, outward behaviors, obvious sins, things that you're doing that's e easy to spot, those sins that, man, I, I know I need to get rid of that. Thing, things, habits you've developed, you've, you've got to cleanse your hands. Get, get those things out of your life. Ask yourself the question, is it worth it? When you make the connection that doing this is actually causing me to lose the voice of God in my life, is this a good choice to make? Is it worth it? Make whatever changes you need to. Removing people out of your life, stop going certain places. You've got to cleanse your hands, create an environment where you're not gonna fall into those sins. So there's the outward things, cleanse your hands. But then he says, purify your hearts. And this is where a lot of Christians stop the cleansing process. There's obvious sins that people can see on the outside, but then there's also inward sins that are less easy to detect. Pride, arrogance, your, your motives. You can do something that looks good on the outside, but it comes down to your motive. It could, it could be a sin. It could look good to someone else, but if your attitude is wrong, if your motive is wrong, so we've got to purify on the, on the inside as well. Not harbor unforgiveness, jealousy, Th things that we can, we can get away with. We can hang out with Christian people and they have no idea how much unforgiveness is hidden in our hearts. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded has to do with vacillating between God and the world. Just make a commitment to serve God and stay true to that commitment. Don't, don't keep being wishy-washy back and forth. That when Pastor Jonathan is leading worship and the music is playing and you're in this environment, you love God with all your heart, but then Monday morning when you're with your work buddies and you're not so sure anymore and you start making compromises, just make a commitment and follow God with all of your heart. Stay true to that commitment. Cleanse your heart. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purity brings clarity. To achieve clarity, I need to pursue purity. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We'll look at one more, one more principle and then we'll pray. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. This is talking about a group of people that he starts off saying that they knew God, that they knew God. 
it says that they could clearly, they could clearly see his attributes. They could clearly see his eternal power, that they, they knew God. But then by the end of verse 21, that same group of people, it says that they were confused, that they were darkened in their mind. Now, what in the world happened to move this group of people from being able to see clearly, they've got clear vision, to where it becomes dark and they can't see at all. What, what happened? They went from, it says that they knew God. They knew him to where they became confused. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know about this God thing anymore. I'm not sure who the true God. I don't even know if there is a God. They, they were confused about it. What happened to move them from, from being in a good place to being in a terrible place? Clear vision, knowing God, confused and darkened in their mind. The, the turning point, verse 21, it says, even though they knew him, that they would not worship him or be thankful. They refuse to worship him and be thankful. And the lack of worship, the lack of honoring God, the lack of thanksgiving caused something to happen in their heart where they lost, they lost clarity. They couldn't see anymore. It became dark. They lost their ability to know God. Romans chapter 11, verse 13. It says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Now, I, I read that verse because when he says, I magnify my ministry, it's the same exact word as used in Romans chapter one, verse 21, which says they, they would not worship. They would not magnify. The, the New King James Version says they, they would not glorify. So when Paul says, I magnify my ministry, if you've read through the epistles, you, you know the kind of language Paul uses when he's talking about the call of God on his life. He's, he starts his letters, Paul, an apostle called by God. He talks about how the grace of God works in his life to bring forth all kinds of fruit. And it's not out of arrogance. He's not bragging on himself. He's, he's making much out of what God has done in him. He even identifies, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm like the worst of the worst. But look at what God is doing in me. Look what he's done in me. Even when I'm weak, then I'm, then I'm strong. He, he's not downplaying the work of God. He's magnifying it. He's making much of what God has done. Now, if we apply that back to the mistake that these people made in Romans chapter one, they, they did not magnify. They wouldn't magnify. And their lack of magnifying God caused them to lose the ability to know him. And what they could see clearly, they, they were moving the wrong direction in their life. You know, there's a temptation in our lives sometimes to downplay the goodness of God. We, we downplay it. We act like it's not a big deal. Do you, you know the Bible says in the book of James, every good and perfect gift, where's it come from? It comes from your Father in heaven. Every good gift, every one of them. So if it's good, if it's good, you know where it came from. It didn't come from your cleverness. It didn't come from your job. It didn't come from your, from your parents. It came, it came from God. Amen. That we need, we need to make much of everything good in you, everything that he's done in your life. We need to magnify it and not downplay it. Act like it's not that big of a deal out of false modesty or w w whatever. Let people think you're arrogant. You're not magnifying yourself. You're magnifying God. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, my testimony is I was tangled up in sin and then, you know, grew up and just decided to make some better choices. Now I'm serving the Lord. 
You're, you're downpouring. You were on your way to hell and Jesus saved you and redeemed you and washed away your sins and now you're brand new on the inside. Make much of what God has done in your life. People downplay, if it's good, if it's good in your life, it's because of God and there is a danger in not celebrating and giving God glory and praise and being thankful. If you have a spouse, you need to be thankful. You, you need to give God praise. It's a, it's a blessing from God. If you have a house, well, it's, you know, yeah, we bought a house. It's not exactly my dream house. Is it good that you have a place to sleep at night? Then it's from God. Give God, but thank God that I have a home. Thank God I've got, is it good that you have clothes? Take my word for it. It's good that you have clothes on today. Give God, thank God that I have clothing to wear. Magnify God. God, I thank you for how good you are. I give you, I'm so thankful, Lord. Instead of downplaying it, begin to exalt God. If you want to clarify, you magnify. Magnify to clarify. Those people move the wrong direction by refusing to honor and magnifying God. So it, come, it stands to reason that we can reverse this. If I don't want to move the wrong way, I can move in the right direction. I can increase my ability to know God. I can see things more clearly. I can open the eyes of my spirit, man. If I begin to exalt God and give thanks instead of downplaying, just celebrate what God has done in my life. God, you've brought me so far. God, you've been so good to me. Lord, I know I've got a long ways to go, but everything good in my life, it's because you're hand is upon me. Your grace is working in me and in, in, around your life. Celebrate what God is doing. It, you know, in our church, we could downplay what God has done in our church over the last however many years. Man, it's nothing short of a miracle. And God gets all the glory, all the honor. God, you've done so much. You took something that was on the brink of disaster and you've made it blossom and grow. We need to not downplay that, to magnify and give him praise. A every area of your life, if you have kids, to celebrate the goodness of God. Every breath that I take, it's because of you, God. And I'm not going to downplay that like it's no big deal. It's the goodness of God that we experience. And again, this is, this is a consistent principle through the Word of God. I'll give you a couple other examples. Proverbs chapter 3, I quoted it earlier. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. What's He faithful to do? He'll direct your path. You'll, you'll know what to do. You'll know, no, I'm not to go there. No, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not where my path, God takes personal responsibility to direct your path, right place, right time. What do I need to do to end up in that kind of incredible scenario where God himself is the one directing my path? I acknowledge him in all of my ways. Celebrating the goodness of God. God, everything I have today is the day that the Lord has made. God, you made today. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I celebrate you, Lord. I love you. I praise you. God, the fact that I have strength in my body, the fact that I have friends and other people that, that love the Lord, God, I acknowledge it's all of your, to acknowledge God in all of your ways. If we'll do that, he'll direct our path. I won't veer off course. You won't miss it. If you continue to magnify God, glorify God, to clarify and magnify the Lord. One more example. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. God, I love you. Lord, you're the joy of my life. Lord, I love your presence. What, what does he promise to do? He'll give you the desires of your heart. That, that doesn't mean just a selfish giving you whatever you want, although in a way it does. Because he says he, he begins not just to give you every selfish craving you have, but it begins to work in you to give you, to give you the desires, that you begin to desire what he wants you 
to desire. You know, in my own life, this is one of the primary ways that God has helped me navigate is that he's, he's stirred up certain desires and he put them on the inside. I, I've shared this before. When I was a teenager and, and starting to get serious about my walk with the Lord, falling in love with Jesus, delighting myself in him, I started to have a, a strong desire to be a youth pastor. I mean, I, I wanted it more than anything. I, w- I would daydream about being a youth pastor to the point where when my friends were getting ready to you know, get our driver's license and what kind of car they want, they want Corvettes and all kinds of different cars. You know what kind of vehicle I would dream about? A 15 passenger van. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, 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 what would it be like to drive around a group of teenagers? It, God was putting that desire in my heart. I remember one time my youth pastor let me just pull the van up just a few feet to pull it under the awning of the church. I got behind the wheel of that 15 passenger van. So this is what it'll be like. I mean, I was like, it was like my dream car. I, that's, that's what I wanted. Now that, that's not normal for a 16 year old boy, right? That that's their, their car. God was putting a desire on the inside of me, like magnetizing me to the spot that he had for me. He was, he was giving me the desires of my heart that I wanted, the very things that he wanted for me. And it's one of the ways that he leads us and guides us. You know, I, I'm not a person that, that talks to myself. Some people talk to themselves out loud. Sometimes my, my wife does this. I've been around other people that you just hear them talking. Oh, are you on the phone? No. Nope. Okay. You're just, and they're talking away. All right. I, 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 don't, I don't just talk out loud when it's just me. There's been a handful of times where I've talked to myself or I've just said something out loud. It's always been a, a time where I just felt something so strong. They just almost like, it just came out of my mouth. I just, I was talking to myself just like over, overflowed. On two different times, I said, I want to live in West Virginia. I never knew anyone that lived here. I didn't live here. Two separate times, it just came out of my mouth. One time I was in college and a buddy of mine and I were just, we're driving from Pennsylvania. We're going to Seneca Rocks. And I remember where we were on the road, just looking around and just thinking. It just came out of my mouth. I want to live in West Virginia. I I'd heard the opposite. I've had people discourage me. You don't want to live in West Virginia. It just, I just, I had a desire. Second time was when the previous pastor of this, of this church left me a voicemail letting me know there was an opening for a youth pastor position. We got home one night. My Beth was doing something. I checked the voicemail. We're living in Delaware. I listened to this voicemail. And she wasn't even around me. I was standing in the kitchen. I just said out loud, I think I want to live in West Virginia. It's two times. God was putting a desire on the inside of me. If I delight myself in the Lord, the Bible says he'll give me the desires of my heart. He'll guide me and direct me. And this is so closely linked to the first thing that we talked about because he'll also give you a desire for holiness and righteousness. As you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, you'll lose a taste for those things that you used to have such a strong pool on you. Like the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this world... They just grow strangely, strangely dim. Things that used to be so tempting to me. Not, not that I don't have temptations anymore, but I, I've got fresh desires that outweigh those other desires. I, I want to be godly. I want to be good. I want to please the Lord. You know, if, if after service we're hanging out and you said, hey, for Mother's Day, we're going to have a, a big drunken bash and probably do a bunch of drugs. I think there's going to be ladies there. You, are you interested in coming? I wouldn't have to say, uh, I don't know. Let me see my, let me see what my wife says. There would have been a time in my life 
where I, I would have responded differently, where I would have said, can I come early to help set up? I mean, you know, I, I would have been in. Th th those kinds of desires had a strong pull and got me in a lot of trouble. But as I began to delight myself in the Lord, something changed in my heart. He began to put fresh desires in. If you presented that opportunity to me now, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh, I'd really like to, but I know I probably shouldn't. Like, no, thank you. Absolutely not. No, no desire. I want, to be, I want to walk in righteousness. I want to do things that are pleasing to the Lord. I want to be a blessing. That, that's, not, that's not me glorifying me. That, that's me magnifying what God, he's brought me so far. I know he's brought you so far that we magnify God. We magnify to clarify. We magnify to clarify. So, so two things. If I want to clar clarity in my life, to know the voice of God, to be able to see what he's trying to show me, purity, purity brings clarity. I want to clarify, I need to purify my life. God, what things need to be swept out? Where do I need to cleanse my hands? Where do I need to purify my heart? What things need to be removed? If I want to clarify, I need to magnify. I need to give God praise, give him glory, acknowledge him in all of my ways. This group of people went from knowing God to being dark in their mind and confused. I've seen it happen to people, people that know what God's called them to. I've had teenagers, I know God's called me to do this, and they love the Lord with all their heart, go away to college, get tangled up in sin, and come out. I'm not even sure about this God thing anymore. What happened? They stopped being thankful and honoring and honoring God. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.